Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association, available free to members of the Bar Association as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about MBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. I'm your host, Jordan Rich. The Mass Bar is proud to present Conflict Resolution Week, October 16th through the 20th, with free programs throughout the state that celebrate the many benefits that dispute resolution brings to the legal community, as well as the people of Massachusetts. Now, we've got two leaders in the area of dispute and conflict resolution. Attorney Brian Jerome is the current chair of the NBA Section on Dispute Resolution, or DR. He's also the founder and CEO of Massachusetts Dispute Resolution Services, with experience as a mediator and arbitrator in over 12,000 cases. Also in studio with me, attorney Michael Zetunian, founding member of Dispute Resolution Council, LLC, and himself a past chairman of the MBA Dispute Resolution Committee. Now, both gentlemen are dedicated to helping people and organizations find common ground, and I'm thrilled to get the chance to talk with you both. Welcome to the Mass Bar Beat. Thank you. It's good to be here. We have a lot to cover, but primarily we're here to promote a week, a week of activities and events, Conflict Resolution Week, October 16th through the 20th. And a lot of planning has gone into this. It looks like a very exciting week. Yes, it should be a great week. I should say we're very happy to uh, be able to announce today that the governor has accepted our proposal and has designated uh, October 19th as Conflict Resolution Day. And we are celebrating uh, during the course of the entire week, Conflict Resolution Week, uh, with a series of uh, five events that are sponsored by the uh, Massachusetts Bar Association and mm-hmm. our dispute resolution section. Uh, and we're also uh, supporting a further event during that week put on by the Community uh, Dispute Settlement uh, Center in Cambridge, focusing on community mediation. There's a lot going on. We'll run down some of the details on these events. But Michael, I want to welcome you as well. And uh, this is your bailiwick. This is what you work on every single day. So to have a week that we all focus on, it makes sense. But shouldn't we focus on this every week? We have so many disputes in our culture. I mean, it seems as though you guys have the right idea. We should do more of this. Yeah. And really, the use of dispute resolution processes besides litigation has really grown, particularly in the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, So no longer is it really seen as a foster child or as an alternative, but really any of these processes should be considered from the outset of the dispute to see which one works in that situation. Both of you on your respective websites have outlines as to what dispute resolution is. We know that. But the list of things that are covered is enormous. It's two pages long. (laughs) I know on Brian's, you have a list that goes on and on and on. There's almost every topic that one can think of has a potential to be resolved. That's right. And uh, that's one of the reasons, uh, at least within our bar association, the Massachusetts Bar Association, that uh, they have recognized uh, dispute resolution as a full section of the Mass Bar Association. And frankly, uh, it applies to all areas of the law. It's revolutionized, if you will, the way that people settle their cases, whether represented by attorneys or not, in virtually every area uh, of dispute in the law. Michael, in reading your bio, you're listed as an ombudsman, as well, of course, as an attorney and all that. Describe that for the general public. What does that mean? Sure. Ombuds is a a kind of dispute resolution, Mm -hmm. but it actually happens. uh, It's designed to happen before the dispute really elevates or escalates. So an ombuds would be hired by a company, a hospital, a college, an organization. And the purpose of that person's role would be to just 
diffuse the dispute before it becomes something greater. So it's basically a resource that an organization has. It's confidential. It's totally voluntary. A person would come to an ombuds, just discuss that they have a problem, mm -hmm. and the ombuds would work very quietly behind the scenes with the employer and the employee sometimes not even divulging a name. Mm. Uh, so to, that's to, that's one part of the toolkit. What are some of the other resources, Brian, that are now put to bear that you guys have at your disposal and that the Mass Bar is promoting? Well, fundamentally, uh, the two most recognized processes of dispute resolution, we don't no longer call it alternative dispute resolution because we've dropped the A. Because you've come a long way and it's now accepted, as you said, no longer a stepchild. That makes sense. So DR. DR. Call it. Okay. Thank you, Jordan. You're welcome. My pleasure. It's what I do. <laughs> I, uh, mediation and arbitration and their various hybrids are the key focuses that I particularly focus on in my work uh, in dispute resolution. Mediation, of course, being where the parties voluntarily come to the table and a neutral tries to assist the parties mm -hmm. in reaching their own nego uh, negotiated resolution of the case. It's voluntary. Participants need not settle the case, but statistics show that upwards of 90% of cases uh, that come to mediation eventually resolve as a result of the mediation process. The other process is arbitration, uh, which is a different hat for a neutral to wear. It's akin to a trial outside of the courtroom adjudication. The parties mutually agree upon a person or a panel of three that will hear evidence under oath, uh, much like it would occur in court, and the neutral chosen makes a binding decision uh, on the case. And there are various hybrids um, as to arbitration mm -hmm. as well. There are other processes of arbitration. Michael probably could talk better than I about collaborative law, a very uh, new and exciting process of mediation. And I don't know if Michael wanted to just talk a little bit about collaborative sure, law. Sure, please, please do. Sure. Um, collaborative has grown out of the need for other processes. And it's essentially a process in which the parties and the lawyers agree from the outset not to litigate, um, not to file any lawsuits, but work from the beginning in a designed, structured process to negotiate their way to a, to a resolution. Mm. Uh, the parties are always represented by counsel. And as I said, uh, a collab it is a true collaboration where most of the time the parties and the lawyers and any experts that are used work together in the same room. And the experts, unlike uh, in litigation where a plaintiff might have an expert and a defendant might have an expert, here the experts are agreed to be hired jointly. And so they mm. become neutrals as well. I mean, we're just having a fine discussion about what you do and how it's growing. And wouldn't it be great if we could wave that magic wand and, and introduce this idea, this concept to people in politics, sports, entertainment, business generally. I mean, it's all about, you say, solving problems and keeping them at the low level as opposed to the high level. There's a great deal of uh, conflict and uh, division I see in our country uh, at present. A lot of polarization, if you wish. Sure. And um, Porig O'Malley, an international peacemaker, professor at the University of Massachusetts. He has a film that we are featuring on Friday, October the 20th, as part of our presentations. Uh, it's called The Peacemaker. And Porg is very uh, quick to say that 
he might not be a an expert at negotiation, but his skill is doing the legwork to actually bring people to to the table and begin a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's really the challenge that I think dispute resolution has right now to be known uh, more fully by the general public so that more disputes uh, come to mediation and conciliation. And I think at this time in our uh, society, I think dispute resolution plays a more prominent role and is needed more than ever to deal with the polarization. Parties in dispute, governments in dispute, uh, nations in dispute, and dispute resolution is the answer. Mm. It is the answer, uh, bringing people together uh, and trying to get them to talk and reach uh, mutually agreeable resolutions. By the way, the documentary film screening of The Peacemaker on the 20th will be at Harvard Law School. Details can be found in a few places, but certainly on the Mass Bar website in the events section. It's a free event. Let me ask you, Michael, about attorneys up and coming who are experimenting with this early on in their career. Are we trying to recruit more lawyers? We're talking to members now as well as the general public on this podcast. Where does this take us? Sure. It's a a great question. Um, Part of the work that the Bar Association and our dispute resolution section do is getting out to the law schools and lecturing and talking to them, Mm -hmm. students, about what are the types of dispute resolution processes, when can they be used, uh, how to go about getting into them. And it's, it's interesting that many of the students will come up uh, to Brian, myself, or any of us that have lectured and ask, how do I do this? It really sounds very appealing. Uh, so it does appeal to the, the side of a lawyer that wants to be a problem solver mm-hmm. and wants to be a peacemaker and, and bring solutions. Many of us come out of the litigation background. So you, yeah, so you know what that's like. We absolutely know of course, the, right. the upside and the downside. Right. And there's, there, there's a place for litigation, but there's, you know, there's a downside to any adversarial process. You guys are so helpful here because we, we have two audiences that we're focusing this, this piece on. And one, of course, is our members, the attorneys that listen to this podcast and also to the general public. So I'd like to go the general public route with both of you. And if you would, each take a sort of a very short minute or two minute case study. Give me an example of, without names, of course, about how this works with Joe and Jane Public. I'll start with you, Michael. Give me an example of a recent case. Put it in human terms. So a recent case and a case that would be a good candidate for a process like mediation or collaborative law was a case that we worked on that involved business partners that were breaking up the business and what to do with the business, whether to sell it, whether one was going to buy the other out, Uh, whether they were going to sell it to a mm -hmm. third party. And this is a case like in lots of business cases, especially family businesses, where the continuation of the relationships are important. So you want to come with a process that will keep that relationship healthy and relatively unscathed, whereas an adversarial process would do a lot of harm to the relationship. So you look for things like, is the relationship and preserving it important? Uh, For a business, speed is important cost efficiency is important. So all these factors lead to using a process like collaborative law, which we used in this case, to come up with a solution that probably a court couldn't come up with. And it must make you feel personally gratified to know that you also dealt with the human question, with the relationship question. (laughs) Because, I mean, we all know divorce and and disagreement and breakups of businesses and people who want to sue everybody when they wake up in the morning. That leads to a lot of negative energy. And it's nice to leave the world a slightly more positive place when you're dealing with something like that. Yeah. And as Brian said before, we are, unfortunately, a very litigious, very... Right. 
partisan society now. And I think we see part of our role as countering that and saying, how can we restore relationships? How can we still resolve disputes, but not do it mm-hmm. in a way that's, that's so damaging? Brian, I'll turn it over to you now for one of your examples. Well, Jordan, um, I've had the uh, real honor over the past 27 years to literally um, be involved as a neutral in thousands of cases. And I was thinking about your uh, question, and uh, I think I would just say this, um, to focus uh, less on a particular case, but more uh, generally on something that I have seen occur in many cases that I find so uh, gratifying, uh, which is at a, a mediation session, Uh, one party or the other demonstrating significant empathy to the other. And um, I recall a uh, medical malpractice uh, nursing home case that I was involved in with very significant injuries. And as is too often the case, uh, an incident occurs, a tragic incident, claims and litigation are filed and the parties go their separate ways. And there's often little to no conversation between the uh, opposing parties until, and they go through litigation, discovery, depositions, uh, all in an adversary uh, format, and then come to a mediation. And often is the case, uh, not only in that case, but in many cases, that the mediation session is the first time that these parties have actually sat down together since the incident occurred, often many years ago. And uh, in that particular uh, uh, case that I'm uh, referencing uh, to you, it became clear to me that a lot of the anger on the part of the family of the man who was very seriously injured, he was a paraplegic, uh, really was that they were hurt initially, that the care providers were not empathetic to what had happened. Perhaps they were advised by their attorneys to make no Uh, statements, if you will, that would be damaging to them, if you will. At that mediation, at one point in time, the key um, defendant litigant actually said in the, for the first time, in the privacy of a mediation session, he apologized to the family for what had happened, and he regretted uh, what had happened. When that occurred, the mediation made a complete 180 if you will. And that case resolved. And I think it was it resolved because the family for the first time felt some empathy on the part of the, the other litigant. And I see that in so many of the cases that I sit in as a mediator, is that showing of empathy, understanding of the other's uh, position breaks ice. And I've seen it happen time and time again. And it could happen within the confines of a confidential mediation process. It's a settlement event. And uh, when the parties uh, offer some understanding of the other's position, uh, that they're here to resolve the case in good faith, etc., things happen. The week that we're focusing on, there is a particular gentleman who's going to be there on the 19th, which is Conflict Resolution Day. And there's a big reception at the Adams Courthouse in Boston. And this involves Kenneth Feinberg. Now, for people in the know, he, of course, is a rather well-known attorney for some big involved cases. Tell us about Kenneth Feinberg and the event. That's pretty exciting. We're very excited. Uh, Ken Feinberg, uh, originally a Massachusetts uh, native, uh, works now out of Washington, uh, D.C., best known. He focuses on uh, mediation. He is best known for his work as a special master. He 
formulated and administrated the uh, distribution of the 9-11 victims funds for the federal government. Mm. He also uh, was the master uh, and administrator of the Boston Marathon Victim Funds. Uh, he's worked uh, in, the B- in the BP oil disaster that occurred. He's worked for uh, General Motors uh, in their uh, recall efforts. He's nationally uh, known. He's a uh, professor, adjunct professor at Columbia Law, University of Pennsylvania, Georgetown Law School. He's just a very exciting man who is called upon to administer what often would seem to be an impossible job, and he does it with great skill, and he's coming to speak as our keynote speaker at our key event on Conflict Resolution Day in the evening of October 19th. That's 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., this event at 1 Pemberton Square. And again, all the details are on the MBA website. You can check it out in the events section. But I've seen him speak before on television. He's a principal guy, and I think that's what we're talking about here. I wanted to go back for just a few more things. Michael, you mentioned the business arrangement. But the one thing that you guys are doing the week of, which I think is super critical, and that is a focusing on youth, youth mediation and the juvenile justice panel. Now, Again, another event during that long week. But why is it so important? And I think the answer is obvious, but I'll let you say it. Why is it so important for us to to mediate at a young age, to get these kids who are heading in the wrong direction, get them straightened out early? Yeah, I I think it's an exciting event. Um, You'll notice about these events as we try to to have each event focus on a different area of dispute resolution. Uh, This one, obviously, juvenile justice and the use of restorative justice and peer mediation as you said, it's important, I think, to plant these seeds in the minds of young students while they're young to know that there is a way of resolving disputes without escalating, right. without doing harm, without right. violence, you know, without really damaging relationships, communities. These are disputes where there are a lot of stakeholders. It's not only the victim and the, per- the perpetrator. It's also the community. Mm-hmm. It's also everything that's going on around them the schools that they're a part of. So I think it's important to plant that seed, get folks into the mindset of being able to sit down with each other, give each other the respect of being heard, uh, taking the time to listen to each other and consider the other point of view, and then come up with a solution that works. Well, the reason the A has been taken off, it's not alternative anymore. It's part of the system. It's part of the game plan. And I'm just going to ask you both to comment, if you will, post this week and all the exciting activity that'll be going on. You know, what's the goal here? Is it to just increasingly alert the public that this is a very good option and probably a more positive option? Grow this movement, so to speak, or what? What What do you guys see as your future, say, five years? Well, our dispute resolution section has a mission statement and it includes uh, outreach and service uh, all across the board, both to our Massachusetts Bar Association members, to other bar associations, to the judiciary, spreading the word and assisting them in their uh, efforts to have court-connected dispute resolution. Mm -hmm. We also uh, outreach to the legislature on issues that are of concern to the dispute resolution community, uh, businesses, and the general public. One of the um, real challenges, I think, of dispute resolution right now is what you alluded to earlier, Jordan. How do we reach a broader audience in the general public? Dispute resolution has grown and been accepted now as 
a primary means of settling cases by professionals, by businesses, by attorneys, government agencies, and so forth. But one of the challenges of dispute resolution is bringing the message to the general public, having the general public become more aware that there are ways to resolve cases beyond just the gut instinct to file suit when an issue occurs. And uh, attorneys more and more now are not looking immediately what is the best resolution of the case when their clients uh, come in. It isn't necessarily filing suit. The issues have to be dealt with with their client. What makes most sense for that particular uh, client? But I think the general public is our, is our goal to uh, make them more aware of the many benefits of dispute resolution. Both of you, well, you're currently the, the chair of that committee, at section, and you're a past chair, Michael. Both of you have, shall we say, to be kind, gray hair, <laughs> some gray hair, and which means you've been at this a while. But there's plenty of room for up and coming, as we mentioned earlier, up and coming young, eager lawyers and people in the legal area who are willing to roll up their sleeves. I guess the question I wanted to focus on with you, Michael, is, as you roll up your sleeves in this warm studio, is basically, hey, this is not easy. We don't want to paint a picture that this is Pollyanna. This does require a lot of work, a lot of pre-thinking, correct? It requires delicacy and tact. Going back to what you said before about kids coming out of law school, it's always good for them to have a background in some area, whether it's litigation or transactional law or probate law or divorce law, working with families. So they have that background in practice areas and they know what it's like. But then you get to a point where, as you said, uh, you need to almost change the way you represent your clients. Uh, we talk about a paradigm shift from going from an adversarial hired gun sometimes to win with the goal of winning a trial to shifting your role into that of being a problem solver and being able to work with the other side and try to satisfy not only the needs of your client, but also the needs of the other client. And that's a little bit different from what we learned it, from law school. It's not exactly the the original formula, but I was just re-watching Lincoln, the movie that Spielberg directed in 2012. And to see that whole democratic process unfold during that period to try to get one resolution, a big one, passed. At the end, it's it's satisfying that people got it done. And it's not easy, but it can be done. And I think you guys are both proving that. Finally, in the course of events, October 16th through the 20th, we want to remind people that this is open to the public. So uh, if you have some time and you want to catch the movie or you want to catch an event, uh, they can go to the Mass Bar website and check the events section. Is there anything else that we should remind people about? Just that uh, all of these events are free. Uh, they are open to the public, uh, not only attorneys. Uh, anyone is invited to come to these uh, events. And just to add, we haven't talked about a couple of them in, in particular. Sure. Um, the one in Western Mass on the 16th, the Monday event, goes back to something that Brian had mentioned, and that is, you know, the outreach to the public and getting the public to realize that they have a lot of resources at their fingertips besides just going to court and filing a lawsuit. The 16th program really focuses on the court-connected community mediation programs mm -hmm. that are out there that are available. Most of them are free. Uh, many lawyers like ourselves and young lawyers learning the ropes uh, do this for free as a pro bono service to the court. And so this, the October 16th program highlights on that and also honors that. Mm. Um, the other program, just to talk a little bit about it, we haven't talked much about families. Right. And 
families in transition are areas where a lot of these dispute resolution processes like mediation or collaborative law really come into play. By transition, meaning those key events that trigger a dispute, a divorce, uh, a probate will contest, a family business that, you know, the people that are coming mm. into the business have different ideas about what they want to do with the business. The, the boomer that started is now giving way to the children and grandchildren. And what happens then? All situations where dispute resolution options are really important. Once again, this is happening on Wednesday, October 18th, part of Conflict Resolution Week. It's a free event, noon to 1.30 p.m. at the Ventress Memorial Library in Marshfield. All the details on all the events, again, are available at massbar.org in the events section. I think it's interesting. There are a, a large amount of lawsuits and filings, but uh, statistics show that perhaps less than 3% of the cases that come to court actually go to trial, uh, Jordan. Uh, that being the case, dispute resolution is really focusing on settling all of those cases uh, and avoiding trial. And it certainly has reduced the uh, court burdens, if you will. And the court uh, system um, is very strained these days because of uh, budgeting concerns. Uh, so they have to use their resources as best they can. Dispute resolution, uh, court-connected dispute resolution, people volunteering, attorneys uh, volunteering in courts to help settle cases um, is a tremendous area of dispute resolution. And that's why we're having the event uh, opening up on October 16th in uh, Springfield, focusing on court-connected dispute resolution programs in Western Mass to highlight all of their efforts. And they are across the board uh, throughout the state. People are volunteering to assist the courts in uh, resolving cases. Well, I want to thank you both for taking time. I know you're planning this week and there will be a lot of events surrounding it and you guys will be involved in almost every aspect of it as you have in setting it up. Thank you very much, both Brian and Michael, for your time here today, but also for your attention to what you do, conflict and dispute resolution. It's a it's a wonderful vehicle, obviously working for both of you. You both have been pioneers in the state of Massachusetts in putting these into place. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for doing the show. Thank Bye. you. Thank you very much. Michael Zaytunian and Brian Jerome, two members of the Mass Bar Association who also happen to be leaders in dispute resolution. This is the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available for free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and more. If you're a consumer in need of legal assistance, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-625-7577 or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association. We invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thanks for listening.